0: John chapter 14, and this morning we will finally get to the I am statement. So we've been in this sixth I am statement, but we didn't want to just jump into verse 6. Uh wanted to make sure that we understood its context and uh, what, what was behind these words and, and their, their emphasis. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also." And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What creates anxiety in us? What is it that can come our way that might cause uh, unease, that that, that unsettled feeling, or maybe even worse, might even creep into doubt and fear? What is it that can create that, that kind of heart turmoil and trouble? Well, there could be a number of answers to that question, right? could be a lot of contributing factors, but I would contend that at least one contributing factor to anxiousness is a lack of confidence. Now, now before that sounds a little odd and maybe even just a little bit heady, I mean, think of it this way, and, and I can give you some examples, but the ways in which we experience that anxious feeling well because we're uncertain we 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 don't have confidence in what's going to come of whatever it is we're facing so for example i'll give you a small example every time our family heads out on a long trip there is some amount of unease and anxiety Because our van has a few miles on it, Uh, there's there's been a breakdown once or twice, it makes noises randomly at various times that no one can ever really find or reproduce, but they they do it for me flying down I-95 at what speed, I'm not going to tell you, alright? But there is some amount of anxiety. Is it going to make it to where we need to go? In other words, what is the issue? What is causing anxiety? It could be any number of issues, but one of them is a lack of confidence. Now we can think about that in much bigger terms when we look at the condition of our nation. Right? I mean, what what is one of the things that causes My guess is perhaps, certainly most, if not maybe every single person in this room, what is it that causes us a certain amount of anxiety, angst, fear, concern about the direction, about the future? And and, and I'm talking in just about every realm, whether it is politically or economically or educationally or even in terms of of health and wellness. What is it that concerns us? Well, we have almost no confidence in a large number of leaders to be able to make anything close to a wise decision, right? This lack of confidence, especially confidence in an individual, can create some anxiety. And, and again, we, we see this, you know, in, in all kinds of ways in our lives, from, from thing purchases we want to make, right, products we want to purchase, uh, to relationships we might be in, to jobs, roles, responsibilities, And even the circumstances we find ourselves in To deal with anxiety At the very least requires Confidence This is exactly what Jesus does with his guys In John chapter 14 We've talked about it before We've set up this story already This is a difficult night for these guys It wasn't supposed to be But Jesus has turned it into that He's made it really weird He washed their feet he changed the Passover to the Lord's Supper. He said, one of you are going to betray me, and then all of you are going to eventually flee from me. And he said, and I'm going to go away. This is what motivates then Jesus to open up chapter 14 with the words, let not your heart be troubled, which we noted really as a way of emphasizing not so much this kind of kind, encouraging word. Jesus is being pretty strong with them here. He's saying, stop your fretting. Cease what is this, this allowing of heart and mind to run away with itself. Don't be troubled. But then notice what he does. Jesus does something that, that should make us very grateful that modern men and women are not writing John chapter 14. Because here's how that would follow. In today's world, John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled, Believe in yourself, dig down deep, trust your own heart, trust your gut. This is how they'd write it today, but that's not what Jesus does. In fact, you'll notice, never one time does Jesus in all of his words to his disciples come around and say, boys, I believe in you, you guys can do it. In fact, everything about these words is Jesus not so subtly saying, I have no confidence in your ability to do this of your own power, but don't worry. You believe in God, believe in me. And he's going to go on to say, don't worry, because I'm going to send one to you who's going to lead you into all truth. In other words, what does Jesus do? Among all the things that he does, one of them is he inspires Confidence, not in themselves, not in their own abilities, because they're about to go through it. Not only of the course of this weekend, as Jesus is arrested, crucified, and they've got to wait three days before He is raised from the dead. But then, what they're going to face in the Book of Acts is recorded for us: the persecution, the the, the separation from friends and family, because they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these words are important because they encourage His people with confidence. So this morning, as we turn our attention now finally to verse 6 and, and really prepare ourselves to take of the elements of the Lord's Supper together, this, this, feat, this kind of comes together nicely in order to do this in such a way that really, as we think of the body of Christ, as we think of the blood of Christ, as we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, That This this gets to the very heart and soul of our confidence in Christ. The reason why you and I can be comforted in the midst of anxious times is because of Jesus. It's not because everything's going to magically get happier. I mean, I wish I could tell you that. Do you know how many services we'd have to do if I could make that happen, right? If my words could magically make you all happier as you leave here, my goodness, We'd run the town after a while. That's, that's not the promise of our Lord. He's not saying, let not your hearts be troubled, and you, you boys better never let it happen again. He doesn't say that. Instead, he just says, let your heart bring this turmoil to, to an end and turn, fixate your gaze and attention upon me. That's what we're doing in the Lord's Supper, fixating on Jesus. So that we might be encouraged because we're confident in him. Now, here's what we've already done. There, there's not going to be any slides for you. Um, that is, that's all my fault uh, because I didn't give them. All right. Um, and so hopefully, once again, you'll appreciate me. All right. I, so um, I don't know what to say, but it is your. It is in your bulletin. All right. So it is, it is in your notes. If you'd like to fill in notes. As we look at verses 1 through 6, we see that Jesus comforted his disciples by reassuring them of his own divine nature and work. So what comforts us? We've looked at 1 and 2. We are comforted by our faith in Christ. We are comforted by our security in Christ. And then number 3, we are comforted by our confidence in Christ. So the blank to fill in, if you want to fill in a blank, is the word confidence. Now, notice how this gets set up. After the statement Jesus had made... Verses 1 through 4, and we looked at this last week. Without rehashing all that, if you weren't with us last week, I'd encourage you to go back and take a look at it. I, I, I take a bit of a different take on these verses. I do not think Jesus is only drawing our attention or even primarily drawing our attention to heaven and Jesus' return. Instead, I, I would say Jesus is, is, make, is giving an immediate promise to these men. He's saying, You can be a part of my father's household. There's plenty of room. And I'm going to go away. Meaning I'm going... There's a work I've got to accomplish. I'm going to die on the cross and be raised from the dead. And when I'm raised from the dead, I'm going to come back to you. And that, as a result, gives you access to the Father. And then he goes on to say, And where I go you know, and the way you know. verse 5, Thomas, this guy... Thomas is kind of like Peter. We know some stuff about Peter because he talks often. And a lot of it's not good. I mean, some of it is, but a lot of it's not. And I think that's why we can identify with Peter. Thomas, it seems like almost every time Thomas opens his mouth, he's saying something contrary, sassy, snarky. Uh Uh-oh. Hmm, that sounds... Familiar. Anyway, every time Thomas opens up his mouth, he seems to be questioning the Lord, and so this is what he does. Jesus says, "Where I go, you know, and the way you know." And Thomas says, "Lord, we do not know where you are going. This is this is crazy. In other words, not, nothing is calming their hearts down yet, right? They're, because they're not doing this the right way. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way?" And it. It doesn't say this, but it's almost then as if Jesus could follow up by saying, I'm glad you asked. Like, that's the perfect setup. Because then Jesus gives us this sixth I am statement. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So so in other words, his response to Thomas is very clear. Of course you know the way. Not because there's some map you've got to follow. Not because there's some GPS thing that you need. It's not because there's anything complicated. You know the way because I am that way. And and, and what Jesus then does is he expands by giving us these three ideas. And if you're filling in blanks, this is going to be really easy for you. The, the words to fill in the blanks. Now, some of you get worried about this thing, all right? You, you come to me afterwards, you didn't get all the blanks. You got to get the blanks. All right, I understand. I appreciate it, okay? So it's going to be way, truth, in life, just so you know, all right? I've told you before, I'm not the most clever guy in sermon outlines. They're going to come from the text, hopefully. <laughs> That's the point. So, so Jesus then lays out these three phrases that, that we're going to take just a few minutes because really, we've set the groundwork for all of this. These words are not all that complicated. It's really profound statement don't get me wrong but it's really clear what Jesus is saying here about himself. They can be confident in what Jesus is telling them to do. The reason why they can cease their anxiety, let not their hearts be troubled. The reason why they can believe in him is because of these three things. Number 1 because Jesus is the way to the father. I am the way. Now, the word way there means a connection between two points, the means by which you get from A to B. It's not that complicated. But what, what, what really matters here, and this is what we need to emphasize, Jesus is not saying, I am the one who points out the way. All right? So, Jesus is not like some you know tour guide in a museum, you know funneling the crowd along, no no, 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 this is the way you go all right hes he 's not giving direction here, and Jesus is not some kind of you know wise sage or hippie guru, you know just spouting words of wisdom that that tells people how to find the path of enlightenment. This is not what he 's saying. Jesus is not pointing out the way to God, Jesus is saying. I am the way to God. You do not get to the Father without going through Jesus. Again, it's not all that complicated, right? Though we do well to remember this <laughs> that, that in fact we are right with God, not because we have confidence in ourselves, but we are confident that Jesus is the way. Jesus is, you know, one of the common pictures that's used is Jesus is a bridge. In other words, there's a real problem set up for us. How can an unholy and unrighteous people have fellowship with an ultimately righteous and holy God? How do you do this? Because I've got nothing over here. And between me and God, there is this massive gulf that I cannot cross. And that's why Jesus then is described in various ways, such as the bridge between, right? The the connecting point between A and B. And here's why this is a really big deal. and, And this is where we get to the very nature of Jesus. Jesus being fully man and fully God means he is the only sufficient means of connecting A to B. Point A to point B, in other words, unholy men to an unholy God, to a a holy God. Unsaved, unredeemed men to an ultimately righteous God. Only Jesus can do it because as man, he was a perfect sacrifice. As God, he was a perfect priest. And Jesus says, I am the way. This is what he means. As, As we eat of the bread and as we drink of the cup. This is what we are remembering. The only means by which I've been made right with God is because of what Christ has done for me. And understand, this is not just some simple, you know, um, introduction where Jesus just takes my hand and walks me, you know, across the bridge and says, I'd like to introduce you to my Father. The way in which Jesus accomplished this was by taking upon himself our wickedness and unrighteousness, and God judging him for it. That's a, that's a profound truth to think, that that is, that is what we are remembering. As we eat of that body, we are remembering that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That, that as we drink of that cup, we are reminded that he who is never to be subject to death made himself subject to death so that we could be made Righteous. He's the way. Number two, he's the truth. The reason why we have confidence in Christ is because he is the truth of the Father. He's the way to the Father. He's also the truth of the Father. This means Jesus is the revelation of God to man. We know John, in John's gospel, this is one of his favorite themes. Jesus himself making the the clear assertion When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John chapter 1 telling us that that, that this word became flesh and dwelled among us and that we have beheld him. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. For Jesus to say he is the truth means he is the revelation of God to men. He, he He doesn't just speak the truth. That's not to say he doesn't. He does, all right? I don't want to be run out for heresy on Pastor Appreciation Day, okay? He does speak the truth, but it's more than that. Anything and everything that is true comes under the ultimate truth and lordship of Christ. He is the truth. This, by the way, also means that the only way in which you're going to ever have a coherent life... The only way in which you'll ever be certain of reliable direction and guidance is to be rightly related to Christ. Because He is the truth. The means by which we know in Him life makes sense. Now, I'm not saying that everything becomes simple. I just mean He is the one who brings coherence. That's why we can be confident. He is the way to the Father He is also the truth of the Father, and finally, Jesus is the life from the Father. So he adds that last phrase there, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, this is not a topic we really need to flesh out in any greater detail than we already have. You'll notice something interesting about all the I am statements. We'll draw it out when we get to number seven, starting next week. But you'll notice all seven of them have one theme in common. There may be more, but in terms of the points I've preached, every single I am statement, you know what term has always come up? Life. If you go back and you look at all of them, life is central to every single one of them. It is a reminder to us two things. One, we are not born alive. Say, oh, okay, okay. Stay in your lane, preacher man, all right? You're not a biologist, though I I do know the difference between a man and a woman. I'm not a biologist, all right? But I can tell you this, theologically, every single person is born dead in his or her trespasses and sin. We are not born alive. That's why the Bible says we need to be reborn. We need to be born again. We need to be born again by the Spirit. In other words, we are born dead, but we are reborn alive, right? We are made alive to God in Christ. That's why this is such an important statement. Life only comes to us by Jesus. As we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup, is it not profound? that the two elements that are used to point us to Jesus are elements that are so associated with the sustenance of life? All throughout the Bible. And so that we, we eat of the bread and we drink of the cup reminds us, Jesus is the life. And that's what this means. Life only comes in Him. Now, we do then want to emphasize one final point It's not in your outline, it just brings these all together. We don't want to ignore the rest of verse 6. Some people will, by the way. Let's say those who want to claim that they are only red-letter Christians. I don't know if you've ever heard about this trend. It's a horrible one, all right? Uh, Largely blasphemous and uh, certainly rejects what is the inerrancy of Scripture, to say, I'm only going to read the red letters. Some will, except what's interesting is they don't read the last sentence of that verse. They'll say, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then there'll be those who might say, and that's all well and good for you. That's great. If Jesus works for you, then great. He may not work for me or everybody else, but if he works for you, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus allows for nothing else because he says, no one. Do you know what no one means in Greek? All right there you go. You've had your first lesson. All right. No, it means no one. All right. It means no one. (laughs) No one comes to the Father except through me. This means that the means of being made right with God takes us through the cross. It's the only way. Jesus is not saying, and this is the way we've put it before, Jesus is not saying He's a good way to the Father. Jesus is not saying He is the best way to the Father. He's saying He's the only way to the Father. There's no other option. He's not just a way, a truth, or a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The definite oracle is in the original language. It's there. That's emphasizing this. It's, It's as clear a statement of divinity as Jesus makes in all the Gospels. He doesn't say no one comes to the Father except through the Son of Man. Not that that's not clear also, but he gets really specific. Through me, I'm the one. All of this comes to us. As we take of these elements together. As we turn our attention to taking of the bread. As we turn our attention to the drinking from the cup. this, this This is what we are reminded of. We're made right with God because God did something for us we could not do for ourselves. And we can be confident in the face of a world that just wants to encourage anxiety in us. As we take of these elements, it's like we are able to double down on our confidence. Yes, on the one hand, we believe the theological, biblical truth that's been preached. But now we're going to physically eat of something. And we're going to physically drink of something as a way to say, this is absolute truth. We are confident in these things. I'm right with God. Christ is sufficient, and God in His sovereignty is ruling and reigning. And so we're grateful as we take of the bread and we remember a body that was broken, and we drink of a cup, and we remember blood that was shed to the point of death. Now, before we do that, though, I do want to take just a moment and have us to pray. I'll give you a moment to pray. And and I would encourage those who are believers in Jesus Christ that you take time to evaluate your own heart and mind before God. The Bible encourages us to prepare ourselves to take of these elements, that we would not take it in an unworthy manner. The good news is, by the way, and we've we've read it in Scripture already from 1 John, we've we've heard it and, and we've sung it, this glorious work of what Christ has done for us. We do have an advocate before the Father. God does forgive Confess sin. Let us do that. To those who are here today, though, who do not know Christ as Savior, I would implore you first and foremost that you come confessing that you are a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, that you ask God to save you based on what Christ and Christ alone has done for you, and that you would not take of these elements unless you have trusted in a body that was broken and blood that was shed. So as we pray, I invite you just to take a moment, preparing your own heart, as then we transition To a time of taking the supper together. Let's bow. Father God, in these quiet moments, your people have humbled themselves before you. We, we, We have humbled ourselves as a people who are in fellowship with you, not because of what we have done, but because of the work made possible in Christ. We thank you for our crucified Lord, the one who knew no sin and who bore in his body our sin and also bore in his body your wrath against that sin, taking our unrighteousness that we might then in turn receive his righteousness. And we thank you, God, for accomplishing this work. We thank you that Christ was able and is sufficient to accomplish this task. We come as a people also confessing to you that while we have been made righteous in Christ in our flesh, we can still be tempted by the ways of this world, by the old life and old ways, and by the encouragements to stray from your word. We ask for your forgiveness, not to save us again, but to restore us into fellowship with you. And that as we take of these elements, we do so soberly, mindful of the price that was paid that we might be saved a price we did not have to pay but paid for us and may may we then as we eat of the bread and drink of the cup remember our Savior and then turn our eyes toward that Savior fixing our gaze on Him drawing confidence in Him and what He has done that we might continue forward in the days to come in faith and obedience to you. And may you be glorified by the act of worship we offer to you this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.